You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Two Chunks in a Hunk, a movie podcast where we give pumps and dumps. Two chunks and a hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your hunk. I'm Doge, and on this show, we pray for the best and hope for the chunk. And I'm Carter. Chunk me! Chunk me! (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at this waveform right here of the sounds you just made with your mouth. And this might be the worst thing anybody's ever going to have to edit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wanted to take everybody by surprise, <laughs> including myself. Consider my expectations fully subverted. Wow. Wow. wow so Holy moly. That, that Wolverine Jean Valjean injury right yeah, there. Injury? Was... Energy right there. I got. I did hurt my hand. Yeah, you hit moly. the table hard. Well... Well, I'm the one who didn't do something interesting. Carter did something interesting there. Jordan, you said something interesting at the beginning of our show. Oh, yeah. Before Carter yelled and everybody turned it off. That's true. You said you're the hunk. I did. Tell me why. I am the hunk because I brought this movie. This no. is the first movie that I brought. No, tell that, me why. We knew that much, but that's boring. Yeah. Well, the other reason is because I started a new chapstick tube this week. That's oh. a big week for About you. About how long does a chapstick away. tube last About for you? Two, two to three months. A couple months, okay. Yeah. All right. Threw away the old one. How many, the how many times a day would you estimate you're applying this chapstick? Oh, man. A lot, I think. Um, I'd say five, six times like, a day. Like every 40 minutes, every yeah. hour? Yeah, but it's every two and a half. <laughs> every mm. two and a half minutes. Where does, the chapstick, <laughs> where does the chapstick go? When you put chapstick on your mouth and you're like two and a half hours later, you're like, man, I need some more of that stuff. What happened to the stuff you put on there earlier? Where does it go? I probably ate a little bit of it is my guess. Really? Are you like, are you setting us up for some awesome facts? You no, have? I don't know. I oh. just, I don't know where it goes. So I'm a little weird. I put it on the top lip only and then just rub together. So I don't go full circle. I don't think that's weird. I think a lot of people do that. Oh, really? That's how my wife puts maybe, on lipstick. Maybe it's more 
bottom lip first, but no, I couldn't do that. My bottom lip's too floppy. Uh, it was just hap- it's not happening. There's no control with the bottom lip. Interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I carry chapstick with me because of childhood trauma. I had horrific chapped lips. Yeah, let's dive uh, into that, please. At okay, church okay, when okay, I was okay, a kid, okay. and an, an old woman told me that my lips looked red, and I got embarrassed. And I've carried chapstick in my right side pocket ever since. Well, speaking of childhood trauma. Yeah, no kidding. How about that for a transition? Wow, there it is. I like one. that. You do? And I like that. Well, I you mean, heard it here <laughs> first. Jordan Wonders, our co-host, loves childhood trauma. I like the transition. <laughs> and I like the transition <laughs> because the movie that we're talking about today is Prisoners. Ooh, boy. Still weird to have like a one word title. What, yeah. what did that to us? Was it the Harry Potter of the Ring series? Mainly? I think so. Yeah, because yeah. they were all so long. long. And we had special titles for our friends across the pond. Oh, yeah. That's part of it. That's totally it just went on forever. And that was a hit or miss, I think, with listeners. Mostly miss. Uh, People loved it, dude. They want. They have been telling me they want to bring it back. <laughs> I am very excited to talk about this movie. It nice. is my first movie that I'm bringing of the series, and it is. Uh, by that logic, the first Denis Villeneuve movie that Denis we will Villeneuve, be talking about. Denis Villeneuve. Uh, so for his, uh, for a lot of the listeners that we're going to be getting from France, I'll just in the background very quietly be uh, trans translating for you. Perfect. So oh, go ahead. Go thank ahead. you. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Thank Do you, you so much. Do you speak any French? How much? Okay, well, I'm just doing it all. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Good. No, no, no. Just go. You have fluid. to say something. Yeah, okay, yeah, sorry, sorry. So uh, on that kind of same wavelength, uh, you got something for me? Doge. Keto Ritz. Do you have a synopsis for me, please? Yes. We. This summary was written by Anonymous. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Anonymous. Yeah. Shout out to Guy Fox everywhere. (laughs) When Keller Dover's daughter and her friend go missing, he takes matters into his own hands as the police pursue multiple leads and the pressure mounts. Yeah, I mean, pretty succinct. Not bad. Pretty good. Lead lead the way. Childhood Um, trauma. So I want to start before we get going. Do you guys remember when you first saw this slash like, how frequently you have watched this movie since. Saw it in theaters. This is the second time I've seen it. Okay. Same song, second verse. Theaters, this is my second time. So that's so weird to me. Uh, I saw it after it had already been out of theaters, completely slept on it while it was in theaters. And that is because I went back and watched the trailers for this movie. Mm-hmm. Awful. Really? The, the trailers, trailers are, are so terrible. I don't remember. Um, really? Completely not the tone of the movie, completely not the vibe of the movie at all. It yeah. sets it up as like a, like the whole soundtrack is this like, gun, 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 And it's just, this is not that. It is interesting. It's not really the vibe. No, not at all. Um, so I, I think I just kind of slept on it. it. It looked interesting, but not enough to go do it. And so you I remember, didn't see it in theaters? Nope. I remember uh-huh. uh, one of our mutual friends, we call him CV, he, uh, Brought it, I think, on Blu-ray over to our apartment in college, and uh, it was our sophomore year, and he was like, just check this out. And I guess I wasn't there then. Do you want to hear a funny connection? Yeah, please. That was my copy. No way. Was it really? Yeah, I very much think so. We'll have to ask CV. Interesting. But I think that was my my copy. He he had kind of a awakening to like movies like this. Okay. Because I had introduced him to Seven. And the first time he saw it, he decided it's his favorite movie of all time. Wow. Yeah. And like watched it at our house several times with just new people. I was like, don't you have a house too? But um, <laughs> that's awesome. Maybe I'll have to ask him, but I, I had, I had it. So it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he, he came over, brought a copy and he was like, please watch this with me. And I said, okay. And it finished. And I just remember being in awe and I went to Target the next day and bought it on Blu-ray. And this was probably close to my 20th time 
watching this Good movie. Man, dude. For a long time, it was I would have called it my number one movie. Wow. Um, so I would say I'll tell you why this was only my second time, and for a good movie, because I think we might be on two ends of the spectrum here in terms of the movie goer or just watcher. Like for me, this movie's exhausting. Yeah, I agree. It's not like Passion yeah. of the Christ type stuff, right? That's right. just I'm I, I, there's the movies that you watch and you're like I'm never gonna great movie never watch it again never gonna watch it yeah. again yeah you know something like Requiem for a Dream or right. something that's just like Bleh, or yeah. Life is Beautiful like we talked about mm-hmm. last week but this one for me is a movie like that but that has that in and I wanna I want us to talk more about that in detail in this episode but that is not a bad thing sure yeah absolutely yeah. In, in fact most of the times I have watched it have been showing it to new people mm. because I love watching people put things together in this That's movie for the like first, first time watch. Uh-huh. Yeah, I yeah. love that I rarely I don't know why I imagined you by yourself watching this, prison this <laughs> might be my second time I've ever watched it without showing it to somebody sure okay cool. it, this okay. is, this is my number one this is my number one movie recommendation off the bat for most people because I think a lot of people slept on it hmm. um, so when people say recommend a movie I'll say do you like thrillers yes okay prisoners have huh. you seen it go is gladiator your recommendation for that when people ask you for a movie no oh yeah, yeah. I didn't it's think not. That. No, it's That's it's usually funny. not. Yeah. It's usually uh, I don't want to give it away, but it's my I saved it for last. It's the other one. Yeah. It's the other. Yeah. One. It's okay. my other one. Because mine that we're going to talk about next week is usually my go-to recommend. If somebody's like, yeah. I'm having a movie night, then I'm always, I would say, you've got to put this one on. Yeah, yeah it's definitely one. Of, it, that's fun that it's it's one of the two yeah. that yeah. we have. Super cool. If not both. Super cool. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll, let's 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 get into this. Um, so one of the, the funnest facts about this movie before it even gets started is that uh, it was on the 2009 Blacklist, which is a list of the mm-hmm. most liked movie scripts that don't get made. And um, it kind of sat there for a little bit. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons it sat there is I don't remember the original director that it was tied to. It was not Denny. Um, but um, the the people that were set to star were Mark Wahlberg mm-hmm. and Leonardo ah. DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, Mark Wahlberg as Keller Dover. And Leo as Detective Loki. That's I thought the, it was Christian Bale. So it was Christian Bale at one point as well. Oh. Um, there was a lot Chris, of names attached to Christian this movie. Bale Big and ones. Leo were both at different times attached to Detective Loki. Gotcha. Um, and then when it got kind of canned, and Denis came in and said, I have somebody that I want to play Loki, and it all fell into place from there because he had worked with Jake Gyllenhaal on a movie called Enemy. So Enemy was filmed first, Prisoners was released first. Hmm. These were his first two English language movies ever. That is so crazy. That's wild. That he is, is so a, crazy. Primarily a French speaking uh, individual. He did and Sicario like, too. Is that he right? did Sicario. Yes. Yeah. We. He did Sicario, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, a few others. Um, and so, this was sort of his his first foray into Americanized you know, filmmaking. Not too bad because I'm imagining my first movie that I did in French. Right. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't quite, quite this as good caliber. as this one. Yeah. 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 So. A yeah. lot of people are that way, I think. <laughs> so this movie starts off um, with a kind of zooming out shot of a deer in a snowy wood as we hear. Um, and then Bella Swan just sprints up to right, it. Yeah, right. a big bite. As we hear. It uh, eats the mountain lion that was going to eat the deer. <laughs> Hugh Jackman's character, Keller Dover, saying the Lord's Prayer. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, something that happens here in this scene is one of... Uh, Denise trademark moves, which is something I'm I'm just going to call off-screen violence. Um, and what I mean by that is one of his favorite moves as a director is to give us a still or panning shot and only revealing the horrific thing that happens. moments in. Yeah. 
letting us sit on a tranquil moment and then see that something bad is about to happen yeah. later. Um, and so as we zoom out, we see this gun barrel. We see that Keller is taking his son hunting in the woods and they shoot and kill this deer. And that is the beginning of our movie. Yep. So there's, yeah, it's just a title. There's yeah. not credits or anything. Right. Um, I want to kind of burn through the beginning of this stuff. So we, you know, we get to the, the Dover's home for Thanksgiving dinner and they grab all their stuff and head over to their friend's house for the actual dinner. And at their friend's house, the two daughters ask, can we go play? Mm-hmm. And while they're outside with their siblings, we see the RV, they run off on their own and they don't come home. Yeah. And that is sort of really the actual beginning of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it, in this opening scene, something I want to talk about is kind of the establishment of character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because a, a big part of this movie for me, and I, I think you'd probably agree, is the journey that every character takes from start to finish. Sure. Um, and, and a lot of movies are this way, but particularly in this, um, we see a lot of people change drastically from who we get to know them as in the first 10 to 15 minutes of this movie. Yeah. So we I see. I think that illustrates how devastating this has been. <clears throat> like the fact that they become such a shell of who they are at the beginning of this yeah. just further drives home that. Emotional point. Well, and Denis yeah. is doing a good job from the very beginning to like, and I, I alluded to it beforehand, but it's just, it's tough to watch. And it's it supposed is. to be. Like everything he's doing, yeah. like you're supposed to not really laugh again once Terrence Howard puts the bad trumpet playing away. Yes. Because there's nothing good that happens after this. So actually that scene with the trumpet is kind of what I'm talking about here. Yeah. That is the scene where we establish here's what it should feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see Terrence Howard with the trumpet and everybody's a little buzzed and laughing and they've yeah. enjoyed dinner and we see Keller and his wife happy together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're both smiling yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. both laughing and they're telling jokes and the kids are playing and hanging out and just relaxing because their their bellies are full from Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also introduced in this same scene on this same couch to the concept of the red whistle. Yep. Yep. Um, Anna... Keller's daughter asks, can I go get my red whistle? Joy wants to help me find it. Sure. They go off and that's that's where they don't come back from. Um, and so uh, I watched an interview with Denis and Hugh Jackman where they talked about researching for this role. And mm-hmm. Oh, and Viola Davis. And um, they were talking about researching for this movie and for this role and how they could only handle a, an hour or two of research at a time because it was just so devastating oh, yeah. to research these families. Yeah. Um, but as we're kind of talking about this, this cast to me, is kind of unbelievable between yeah. Paul Dano, Hugh Jackman, Viola uh, Davis, Viola Davis Terrence Howard. Yeah, I mean, it's just stacked. But the, even the, the kid, wazoo. the boy, he ends up, he's, he's in a lot of reasons. Wide, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. And something else too, I can't remember, he's a, he's a role almost like this one in a bigger movie, but yeah. go ahead. Um, but this is sort of our, our last fleeting moment of happiness before the disappearance. Mm-hmm. And after call it an hour or so probably of the girls not coming back, everything goes crazy. Um, And to me, this is one of the more realistic scenes of the beginning of a family tragedy. The slow descent into panic is so interesting to watch here for me. Um, And I think everybody kind of puts on a pretty fantastic performance of, Oh my gosh, I don't know, I haven't seen him. Oh, okay. You you didn't see him there. Okay. Well, what if we go here and what if we knock on this door and what if we go and it's this escalate, it's this widening umbrella of check here. Okay. Check further. Okay. Check further. Okay. Check further. Um, and it, it just feels very grounded in reality. 
reality. It really is devastating. Like yeah. the beginning of this movie is so hard to watch, hard to get through. Definitely, Carter, I totally get the like, I watch that and that's it for me. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's hard. Yeah, just yeah. really good. Well, I, I want to be clear that I also totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, that I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I don't know what it is about this movie that feels endlessly rewatchable to me, but sure. not in a, not in a, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, talk, you can talk way. yourself out of that if you want. You, got any, movie you got any like cases of snakes or like mazes you yeah. want to talk about? <laughs> I, I might have a couple. <laughs> um, but shortly after panic sets in is when we get our, our phone call to, I would call our other lead. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is another Denis trademark introducing a main character in an obscured viewpoint. So the first time that we meet Detective Loki, we see him from the back for a long time yeah. before we ever see his face. And uh, he's, he's kind of I remember not knowing that Jake Gyllenhaal was in this. Oh, really? I had like very limited awareness, awareness of this before I saw it. And I remember they get that shot from the back and then we cut to the reverse shot. And I was like, oh, crap, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. yeah. Had no idea he was in this. Yeah. So I, um, I had not seen Zodiac when I watched this movie. Mm. I went back afterwards and watched Zodiac. So this was, so I watched a movie called um, uh, October Sky yeah. in like elementary school for uh-huh. science yeah. class. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember thinking, main dude, good actor. As like a young kid, I was like, wow, sure. that was cool. Yeah. yeah. This was the first movie that I ever took Jake Gyllenhaal seriously. And I'm so glad I did. Was because this pre-Nightcrawler? Yes, Nightcrawler I think this was a year next, before Nightcrawler. The next year, okay. yeah. Um, and this is, I'm, I'm glad that I, I took him seriously because he's one of my all-time favorites. Before that, too. Yeah. Yeah, between that and October that. Sky. I hadn't seen that either. Um, so Prince of Persia. <laughs> the Sands of Time. They flow. Yep. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Um, but I, th- I think Loki is interesting. Interestingly characterized here eating Thanksgiving dinner alone in yeah. a Chinese restaurant. Um, but um, I don't want to get too caught up in Detective Loki as a character right now just because I could talk kind of endlessly about how fascinating he is sure. in a character study. Can, and we yeah. don't even know that yet. So it's like, we'll bring that up when the plot brings it up. Here. Right. And we just get these these brief glimpses of, you know, he has a, not Knights Templar, what is it? Um, a Freemason, Freemason ring uh-huh. and all these tattoos. Decision. and Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just so cool. But Gyllenhaal's decision to do that. He's on the case. Yep. And he shows up and finds this RV. Um, and in the RV is one Alex Jones, played by Paul Dano. And it's not Alex Jones that you might know from his website. Um, <laughs> it's a different fictional Alex Jones. Man. But th- this is, I would call... The end of Act One. It's kind of a short Act One for me. Um, maybe, maybe I would call it almost the end of Act One, but um, we're we're introduced to a lot of our principal players here in this first night of the disappearance. Yeah. Yep. And um, I, I want to jump to, if it's okay, the interrogation room scene with Alex and Detective Loki. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we get a scene of Detective Loki interrogating Alex. And to me, this is so interesting because much like Commodus and Gladiator, we instantly kind of start to feel sorry for the person that we're afraid of. Yeah. Um, Because it it becomes clear in this moment that Alex is learning disabled in some way, that he is um, kind of behind where he should be uh, IQ-wise and that socially he has such a hard time communicating. Um, and we see a lot of fear from this young man. Um, and it, 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 one of the reasons that I love this movie so much is very, very uh, accurately represented here in this interrogation room. And it is, I love this movie's exploration of gray area. In fact, mm. I would say that's almost what this movie is, is an exploration in gray area. That's good. And I think that 
in this interrogation room, it so interestingly flips our hero and villain roles on their heads for a moment. Yeah. Because our hero is being too intense and too violent with this quote unquote villain who is afraid and sympathetic in that moment. Are you yeah. to, you're, you're talking about Loki? Yeah, him? I am. Yeah. 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 He's, he's being very intense with Alex who is very clearly not. Yeah. I think he's also, there. Loki feels like he's just shocked by what happened. Like when's the, yeah. when's the last time he saw someone just drive, like back up and just drive into a tree. And I want to take a little bit, because as you were talking about Paul Dano, I wanted to, there was just something like people, actors, like when actors are meant for a role, to me, that also means like they look exactly how it should have looked. Not just acted like that character the most. Whether it's prosthetics or whatever. I mean, if Gary Oldman's under a bunch of makeup and he still kills it, like I feel like he might have been meant for that role. I agree. Yeah. With Paul Dano, like just the scene of him just kind of wet and phased. With the flashlight on him. Turning around, the way he puts his hands out, like... Oh, it's just like his it's performance just a is shot. incredible. And there's nothing to make him look scary, right? Yeah. Right. He just kind of looks like a rodent. I think like that's he's what's scary about him though. He looks more he looks more like Ron Weasley's rat as a person than actual Ron <laughs> yes. Weasley's rat as yeah, a person. Yeah. yeah. It's just so disturbing in a way that it was supposed to be. Yeah. Well, I much in the same way that I think people are fascinated by like Ted Bundy and how it's like, but he was so handsome. How could he be scary? Sure. I think something with Alex is, but he's so innocent looking. How can he be scary? Sure, he's got that baby face. I think it's the other end of the spectrum for the fear yeah. there. Yeah, I think um, so. And, and I remember, you know, prior to knowing what was going to happen later, being like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and thinking that he was going to be some sadistic, crazy person, which of course we're led to believe. Um, But actually, while we're still talking about the woods, jumping back a little bit, this is a perfect time to bring up Roger Deakins. Super pump. Oh, wow. Really? Roger Deakins is my super pump. I get that. Particularly the slow zoom in external shots on the houses. With like the Uh, tree and all that stuff. There's that one shot of the tree in the beginning, but then every time there's an establishing shot, it's this ever so slowly creeping zoom. And that, that's just unsettling to see Mm. that and you feel like the walls are closing in and you Someone's feel... Someone's pushing you Exactly. And you yeah. can't get up. You don't feel like you're in control. He's the cinematographer? He is, yeah. yeah. Um, was that the Oscar that was won? Or the nomination? He did. He was nominated. He was nominated for this. He won for Blade Runner 2049. Great. So the, he's a frequent collabor- collaborator. Collabor- with, uh, collaborator. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a very... I, he's yeah. my favorite cinematographer of Easy. all time. And behind the chunky curtain, this might be the easiest super pump I've ever picked. Yeah. Like the watching this again last night, there's no question that like this is a different movie if we have different camera angles and oh, a different completely. Yeah. And so there's there's an interview with um him and Denis talking about um some of the decisions they made with shots and editing. And one of the things they talked about is they wanted to linger on moments visually longer than was comfortable for the audience to constantly remind the audience that we had no control over what we were watching and what was happening. Good. So he talked specifically about the oak tree in front of the house and how at a certain point you're like, okay, next scene. Okay, next scene. And it's still yeah. the oak tree and you're yeah. waiting for something to jump out and nothing does. And when it cuts to the next scene, he, he said, I want you to be thinking, why did you make me do that? And it's because he wanted to remind you like, I make this. Yeah. No, they, they don't overdo it. It's just such a good right. balance. We are prisoner. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's a lot of stuff like that. You know, the tree, There, there is some real like tree of life, Celtic symbol, like symbolism in this movie. I don't yeah. want to go into that, but... Um, there's a reason behind a lot of those things. But yeah, I love, man, I, I completely agree with you um, in a lot of ways about Roger Deakins in this movie. He makes it in many ways. Um, 
After the interrogation scene is when a lot of the family starts to crumble, um, especially interactions with um, Detective Loki in the home, um, particularly when he comes to talk to them about um, lie detector results and sort of where to go from here. And um, he ends up making a promise to Keller that we as the audience are pretty confident he can't keep, which is I'll find a way to keep him in custody no matter what. Right. And that, I think, is where two roads diverge in this movie. Um, So in a lot of ways, this movie asks a question, which is one of the things that is another Denis trademark. He says he doesn't want to make a movie that doesn't make you ask yourself a question about some sort of morality by the end of it. Mm. And the question in this movie that he intended to make you ask is, how far would I go? Yeah. Yeah. That is the underlying question of the movie. And I think that we get asked that question for the first time here when um, Alex is released. Yeah, this is, this is that when... rage. This is when Keller beats him up in the parking lot. Yeah, right. There was something about Keller and the way Hugh Jackman took on this character that even the first time he loses his temper, I'm not surprised. And yeah. it's not because I've seen him with animantium claws before. Right. You know? <laughs> it's like even, even in the hunting and even when he's being so stern with his son about like teaching him a lesson, um, which you know we'll see later like maybe what some of his background has done, like yeah. made that into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this is just a testament to like he did this well. I feel like Hugh Jackman does the rage part really well. Oh my well. gosh. I, I think that the fact that you were not surprised is a testament to a performance that's fully integrated. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we see we see this beneath the surface from the first time that we see him. So it's not a shock. It doesn't feel like out of character. But this character feels like he has a real and rich internal life that yeah. happens when the camera's not pointing at him. Like this, yeah. it's just that's such good. a good performance. Yeah. yeah. Very good. I, I For me, it's Hugh Jackman's career best. Yeah. Um, I... I I'm not saying he'll never top it, but I don't think I don't he has know, have yet. Have you seen Greatest Showman? I have seen Greatest Showman. Yeah, I have. It's a tough one. <laughs> um, when Alex is released, and um, oh, when Alex is released, and Keller goes and kind of talks to his wife about it, and she is so upset in the bed, and he gives her the pill, and she rolls over. Um, I, I would, I take back what I said earlier about the end of Act One. This is to me the end of Act One, and it's when uh, Keller's she- wife says. You made me feel so safe. Yeah. And you couldn't protect us from this. It's this just, this is, this begins the ripple wave of blame that just turns into like this tsunami towards the end. Yeah. Of just simultaneously feeling an immense amount of guilt, mm-hmm. but trying to just stick it on somebody else. Yeah. Which happens in grief. Like it's just such a, it's like I'm watching a Nat Geo documentary yeah. of grief. Like yeah. it, that's what it feels like with the shots and everything too. I looked up that cinematographer. Thank y'all for this. Like I just didn't, I've never really followed the names of cinematographers. Yeah. But the fact that he's also done things like No Country for Old Men yes. and Skyfall, which is mm-hmm. a beautiful yeah. movie and a lot of Coen Brothers stuff. It's he, just crazy. Yeah, I was about to say he he's my favorite. Brothers a ton, for he's sure. phenomenal. He's very good. He's my favorite. Yeah. He actually does. He is. I didn't know it till today. The, yeah. He this, is. This might be a, plug for a movie we've already talked about, but he does a movie called Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford that is maybe visually the most beautiful movie I've ever watched. And there's just um, so much. He just kills it. It has this establishing establishing shot of a train robbery at the beginning. It's great. Yeah. Check it out. For sure. Casey Affleck at his best. 
Um, after the scene with uh, with his wife in their room, I think this is when we really start to see what Prisoners is capable Things of. Things speed up exponentially yeah. in terms yeah. of their breakdown and the fallout. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk just for a second about the scene of Keller outside of Alex's home mm-hmm. and how... The, the dog? Yeah, the dog is rough. The dog is, is tough to watch. It was and, almost my super dump. Really? Yeah. Just because it made me so mad. I know. dogs are the best animal in the world. I think we see later, obviously, through like what Alex has been through, that he just doesn't know what to do with everything that's inside of him. Um, Might you say that he's a prisoner? Yeah, I would. Hmm. See, that, that's one of the things I love about this yeah. movie. You're making a point for me that you did, probably <laughs> didn't know, but like, I love that. I love yeah, how no, many no, layers totally, there are to the name. I totally intended that. Um, but <laughs> Alex is um, such a broken character, and we don't even know that yet. And um, when when he's taken it, really ramps up for Keller's storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also get some ramp up on Loki's behalf. And this is the point when the movie really becomes about two men. Yeah. The father of a kidnapped girl and the detective that really needs to beat the dead to the punch in order to save a life and he doesn't even know it. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of what's compelling is you're watching two men who um, both believe they're right and both kind of are right in different ways. And sure. they go about things in different ways. Well, the, the ultimate like... I don't think the crime would have been solved if the two of them weren't going the exact way that they went. Completely. Yeah. You know, it just fell into place. And and it's fun because it leaves it open enough for you to pick a side, which is great in a movie when it's done really well. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, no, I, I my agree. My super dump, because it's such a super dump, I bet we don't even talk about it because oh. it was just not as impactful as I think it could have been. Um, you know, if you're, and I'm not asking for you to give me a Terrence Howard or something like that for this role, or even, who plays Hugh Jackman's wife? Oh, um, like Maria, not even a bigger name. Maria something. And maybe I didn't need a different actor, but I feel like we could have done better with. And yes, he was just harsh and jaded. But the, the chief, captain, yeah, dude, that's my super dump too. Yeah, that no guy felt like a cartoon. In the this captain movie. was just a. It did not feel. I feel like with and, and it's a testament to how good everything else was. Yeah, sure. Like this stuck out to me. And Captain, this guy's a good actor. He doesn't feel like he he's lives in the Cohen, same world as right, these characters. Right, he's done Coen Brothers stuff too, but it just felt like like he walked out of, uh, I don't know what to say. Like, what's the movie with uh, Whiplash? Like he walked oh, out yeah. and yes. was just trying really hard, but even just doing a bad version of that. I was like, yeah. you're the chief. How did you get here? You have no credibility. Yeah. One One minute you're like jaded and bragging, I guess, about how Loki's never like not solved a case, but then you're just so pessimistic. And I don't think that's what you're supposed to outwardly be in a place like this, but it probably just added to the movie feeling grim. So there might've been some silver lining to it, but he was my super dumb. I was just like, you've done everything else so well. Same here. Felt like a, just a a really poor performance with all of these other, I mean, career best performances from these people. So it it felt like he, he feels a little to me. and And I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying. He feels a little to me like an artificial hard place to squeeze up next to a rock. Yes. To stick Loki between, like the case is tough enough, and we got to find something else to give him another source of friction. So we're just going to craft this captain who's not on his side at sure. all. Yeah. Um. And so, and I think he was supposed to be jaded, but it came across as cruel and some and sometimes yeah. and uncaring. Yeah. Um. Which was kind of tough. But we get a lot from Loki here with checking out sex offenders and um the priest and um finding the body with the <laughs> necklace of the maze. Yep. No, 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 thanks. Like yeah. this, just looking that. down into the... No. Just Don't great shots. That. Sure. Yeah. Pumped to the cinematography. It does stuff. exactly what it's supposed to. It does exactly mm. what it's supposed to. Yep. 
Yeah. And and kind of within that that realm, I think I think no less than what it's supposed to is common. This is kind of a stretch metaphor. I think no less than what it's supposed to is common. But what I appreciate about Roger Deakins is it also does no more than what it is supposed to as well. Like nothing is revealed until precisely the moment it is supposed to be revealed for us. Sure. Um, One of of the things that Denis loves to do, another director trademark here, he likes to show us a character's reaction to something before we see the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, That is something that, he like has talked about loving making an audience anticipate what could be making them feel this thing. He stole that idea Shamble. from somebody that we're going to talk about next week. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Is that a Spielbergian thing? Spielberg invented it. No way. The Spielberg face. You'll hear it referred to. That oh, is awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I yeah. love I love these things that like are so clearly shared between these people that we love. Yeah. I think that's really awesome. Well, yeah. it's funny. It's not shared in the same way because mine is not M. Night Shyamalan. But that could have been fun if you just thought, didn't think about the last decade <laughs> and a half. But um, like one of the most standout Spielberg face moments to me is when Joaquin Phoenix, which was, that's the funny connection for Gladiator, <laughs> is looking at the TV screen in signs. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. And he, he's just shocked to see that. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget it. But that's a really good, and Denis uses it so well yeah. in this. And that, that makes it even more disturbing, too. Sure. Because um, yeah. so, then you you have the decision to not look at all. Yes. If you want. Yeah, You got warned, true. but you're not going to look Cover away. your eyes. Right. Hide behind a pillow. Yeah, no way it's happening. So, uh we found the necklace with the maze, and Alex has been taken. And before we move on, I want to take you. Mm. I want to take but you not in that, yeah. with me. We're not going to hurt you. Okay. So that we can talk about some A Shot of Welcome to Shout Announcements, the part of the show where we give shout outs and make announcements. My name is not important. That's not what we do here. Weird. <laughs> That's from the beginning. Jordan. That's crazy. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Shout <laughs> I want to give a big shout out to Waxface and Tyler Station. Waxface and Tyler Station. Tyler Station. Wow. Tongue tied. They're not paying us for this one now. <laughs> Waxface and Tyler Station is a great place to get some work done if you're in Dallas. Who got work done today at Waxface? I and Tyler sure did. I actually came and got work done today. Wax there Space. it is. I sat and looked at silly pictures. Work it had Perfect. been done. Thanks, Waxface Perfect. and Tyler Station. <laughs> we drink your coffee a lot of times. Not right now, though. It's late at night. And nice. also, we want to give a huge shout out to Podbean. Yep. We pay you money and we put stuff on you, mostly our podcast, and you could too. Just don't make one like ours. Please. <laughs> Please. Podbean is already taken. Podbean. Uh, I guess you could say this is a shout out, <gasps> and I'd like to continue to do so. I guess you could. In a perfect world, you know what? We make the rules. Mm. We're going to say this is in our little family of podcasts here. Okay, yeah. it's a two-person family. It's a two-person it's family. Our pod it's a two pod. It's our pod brothers, Sam and Ben Larzabal, over at Story Shaped Life. They are three episodes in now. Um, the fourth episode came out, actually there are four episodes in. The fourth episode came out yesterday. So give that a listen. Very cool. Uh, they have done the Enneagram and Story Shaped Life is, is really about dissecting how all of us have different narratives and how stories kind of tell our lives. It's very similar to, um, how we can tend to, uh, attach ourselves to certain characters and maybe even a move that Denise has been making in Prisoners of like, which, which, what would you do? How far would you go? Yeah. Uh, and it just kind of unpacks that. They're specifically been, been doing it with the Enneagram. And so they are, they had an intro episode. They did the two episode, which was me. I'm a two. Uh, they just did the three episode and then four was yesterday. And so give it a listen. Uh, absolutely worth listening to. Um, I've been listening through it and really enjoying it. And so um, story shaped life. Awesome. Yeah. Check them out. 
while you're on your podcast app checking them out, we do have a favor we'd love to ask you. Pretty please. Pretty please. Would you rate and review us? <gasps> Would you? We have some number, and I don't remember what it is. It's one, a good one. 138. We have Jeez, 138 guys? reviews. That means at least 138 people have found it in their hearts to type something kind or not kind, just something at all, about right, us. Right. And leave it as a review. Our goal is to get to 200 such people. Guys, I've got a new shout out. Okay, take me there. I just read our most recent review, and this is why we do this podcast. And you can tell me otherwise at any point if it's not why we do it. Pager Frazier on May 4th said, makes watching movies way more fun. It's been awesome to keep up with this podcast and watch along as they do their different series. Series. Siri. Siri. I actually pay attention to the movies instead of playing on my phone. And it brightens my day to listen to these dudes on my commute. That is a big deal to me. Yeah, that's huge. That you are in, in a world of technology that we live in that you've decided. And he said, my movie repertoire is growing and I love it. So glad I started listening. If if the only result of this podcast is that less people play on their phones during movies, exactly. I will call this the biggest win of my life. You've got a Frazier. big screen in front of you. You don't need that big screen and another little screen with Clash of Clans or Angry Birds. Yep. Wow. That's great. Man, that's awesome Pedro Frazier, that's huge. Thanks, Pedro Frazier. Big shout out to you, Pedro Thanks Frazier. for reminding me of how easy it is to get on that soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just going to scoot that under the table right there. And Hey, it's time to announce next week's movie. Let's do it! And I'm very excited about it because not only is this the first movie that I am bringing to the podcast myself, but this is my number one favorite movie of all time. Whoa! <sighs> next week, we will be reviewing Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, I genuinely could not be more excited to talk about this movie. It's going to be awesome. So watch I it. I didn't get that the first one. Please watch it. <laughs> I love it. I gave us a couple. Very yeah, good. Thanks. I'll just choose one in post. Too cool. <laughs> I, can I transition us? Yeah. Wow. This is a big day for me. I'm asking permission. Can I transition us? Decent. Yes. Well, everyone, down under, <laughs> underneath the priest's house, we found a body with a maze necklace. But what did we also find? Friendship. The rest of our podcast. Oh, no! We're back. Alex is chained to a sink. Oof, we. Man. This is the prisoner. Man. <laughs> This is the most intense scene. For real. Easily of any movie we've done for the podcast thus far. Yeah, I think so. Most so, intense scene I've seen in well, almost and I any mean, movie. This Howard is also the harshest language of any movie the we've seen. Yeah, yeah, but he's already been beaten so bad. Yes. At this point. Yes. So Terrence Howard Franklin mm-hmm. is walking hey, into Franklin. a pretty intense hey. situation here. Very much so. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Wow. I mean, what do you... I don't know. Pulling Terrence Howard's the, performance is really good, by the way. We yes. haven't talked about him very much. He's incredible in this. Yes. He's so good. Um, we, we get a little bit of the beginning stages of this before he goes and gets Franklin and shows him what he's done. Yeah. Um, we get a little bit of some one-on-one time with um, Keller and Alex, but the the meat of this particular portion... It was a gross way of saying that on accident. But the meat of this particular particular portion is when he goes and gets Franklin and brings him to show him and Alex. Yeah. tell him, right? He knows. Yeah. Like, Keller the whole time knows. Mm. You I know? think I, this is the moment for me when it solidified, like, it's hard, I'm not a dad, but I think I'm team Loki in yeah. this moment I think because this I think far. Keller has gone too no, far. I think Terrence Howard, Franklin yeah. says that. Yeah. yeah. This you can't be far, doing this, man. man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we get... <laughs> 
we get a pretty incredibly intense scene. Is it is it here with the hammer? In the sink? In yeah. the sink? Yeah. yeah, this is right here. So we've come to another fun fact. Um, in an interview, it's Hugh, Jackman, fact. Hugh yeah. Jackman was talking about this scene. And uh, I, watched, I watched an interview where somebody was asking him, how did you get to that point where you were able to... I mean, I've never seen Rage on screen like this. Uh-uh. Um, and somebody asked, how were you able to do this? And he said that he had just finished hours of takes doing this exact scene and did one that he nailed. And he was like, that's got I mean, like, if anybody asks my opinion, like, are you good with that? I'm good. I feel really good about this. I think we crushed it. He said he saw Denis walk away from the crew and walk over to him and he was on his way and he was like, here he comes. He's going to come tell me, good job, man. You really did it. Go have a drink of water. You're finished. (laughs) He said Denis walked over and put his hand on his shoulder and goes, Hugh, I need you to get there. Ooh. And you said, what are you talking about? I was already there. And Denis goes, no, I don't think you were. I need you to take the leash off. And what I've learned is that's a, that's a phrase that he comes to often. He uses it with Jake Gyllenhaal. I need you to take the leash off. Yeah. And Denis says, you've got wow. one more in you. Make it the last one. Whoa. Whoa. And walks away. And it's this take. And this is the take that ends up in the movie where Hugh Jackman <laughs> destroys the sink and smashes this hammer into the wall. And this is the iconic, it, I mean, it's the only part of the trailer that made me interested. Where's my daughter? Like the most yeah. animalistic yell I've maybe Ugh, ever heard from a full person. Full body chills thinking about it right now. This is this is the one of, in my opinion, two iconic prisoners moments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is this horrific and intimate moment of anger and frustration and sadness. Like a pump to Terrence Howard, which hot take, I think Viola Davis did better than Terrence Howard. Completely but, agree. Uh, yeah. Terrence Howard watching his face in this moment. Cause I had read that as well, that this is, this was the take and just how he handled it. Nobody knew he was going to do that. And, no. Yeah. And, just, and he just starts crying. He starts weeping. Cause mm-hmm. he's, he's watched his friend gone. Yeah. Gone. Crazy. And again, we have the curse of knowledge here with knowing that Alex is this poor, innocent victim. The sadness that I feel upon subsequent viewings, knowing that Alex does not, not that he would have deserved this regardless, that's a whole different conversation, but like knowing that this is just some poor kid who was taken, like, yeah, uh, uh, it's just gut wrenching. So I guess when he says that line, which line? They screamed before I left. They screamed right before I left or whatever. Right. Spoilers for the rest of the movie. He means that right. he means that they weren't afraid until they had a reason to be because he wasn't doing anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was he was and that's what makes it so sad too, is he was mm-hmm. being literal. He's just telling them. Yeah. We we Man. Well, and I think that's a lot of the brilliance of the writing and of Paul Dan I don't want to take any way anything away from Paul Dano here. In that scene too, he is so good. But um I think some of the literal some of the literalism, I guess would be the word. There's a lot of moments that feel like they are supposed to be scary until you realize that he, there is no subtext and he is telling the absolute truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't, yeah. they didn't cry until I left them. I just wanted to have fun. He's singing the song. That it they feels like him, a tra- like, tragedy, like all around. You know what I mean? Like in right. the same way that like a good Shakespeare tragedy, you just feel like all these characters, you're rooting for some of them. They're doing horrible things and you just feel sorry for everyone. Yeah. You know everybody I mean? involved. Yeah, it's tough. Even I mean, even our our quote unquote villain, you end up feeling bad for that person. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So, anyway, so we get we get introduced to Bob Taylor here. Uh, for the first time, we see him at the <sighs> candlelight vigil. So creepy. And this is a yeah. guy that Denis loves to use as co- sort of a character actor to fill any role. Is this that- guy from Ant Man? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Hundred percent. And uh, the Baba Yaga. <laughs> <laughs> He's very good in Ant-Man. He is good in Ant-Man. He's kind of good in everything, and yeah. he was actually almost my super pump for this movie. Ooh. Yeah, he's great in this. Um, particularly his interrogation room scene later on is just phenomenal. Oh, um, but this is when we're introduced to sort of a second thread that has begun to unspool, which is there's somebody else connected to this case. Um, a, lot and- of, a lot of this, even though there's technically one main person connected to the case, but a lot of the twistiness of this and the darkness of it feels like Gone Girl to me. Yes. Yeah. Especially yeah. even with the candlelight vigil, because there's almost an exact yeah. thing that happens yeah, like that true. in Gone Feels Girl. Feels very similar to Gone Girl. Yeah. So I, I actually, um, a lot of times when I'm trying to convince um, people older than me to watch this movie, I will compare it to Silence of the Lambs in a lot of ways, particularly with some of the audience-related misdirects. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the the old, the big bad is not right. Yeah, and and um, I think that's a that's a. That's a comparison that's always gone down pretty smooth. <laughs> Which, that's my favorite movie of all time. It's a great movie. Love it. One of my top tensies. But um, you actually, you showed me that movie for the first time. Did I? Mm-hmm. Man, that makes me feel good. Love that movie. Uh, you know you what I didn't show for the first time? Wait, I have to confess. It's the perfect time to do it. There's absolutely no way that was CV. Like, CV did not have my version of Prisoner. Okay. He spread my, like, he, I He's know he probably listens. listening to this no, right no, no, now no. going, I CV, know. I'm very sorry. Clearly, if this was the second time I saw this movie for this podcast, why would I have bought a Blu-ray version and never watched it for now? <laughs> it's very for good. shame. Forgive me. That's very good. So as we unravel some threads, we start to get um, little trails everywhere. We get that Bob Taylor shops and buys children's clothes at this Salvation Army Goodwill type thrift mm-mm, store. Mm-mm. And um, we get that um, there has been, um, you know, that body under the priest's house was said that he came to confess that he had murdered 16 children and he was waging a war Ooh. against God. Yep. Um, and um, we get, um, with Alex, some more and more evidence that maybe he is less than what we thought he was. Sure. And then we get, um, I can't remember his actual name, Barry Milton or something like that. When we meet the mother of a young man who was abducted in much the same yeah, way, yeah, yeah. Um, that... I yeah, believe yeah, yeah, yeah. was connected to the house that the RV was parked in yeah, front yeah. of. Um, and so um, we start to get a lot of threads. But something that's interesting, and we we don't we don't really spend a lot of time talking about this kind of stuff in a lot of the movies that we watch. There's just such an interesting thread of religion in this movie, mm-hmm. and losing it, gaining it, fighting it, being frustrated by it. Yeah. Um, and it feels very honest in a lot of ways to what maybe the writers had been feeling and, and yeah. something, but it's just an interesting, there's a lot of imagery and there's a lot of metaphor here for, um, saviors and salvation and forgiveness. Yeah. And- I think what it does is it, comp- it like breaks down any wall and it makes a lot of room. It like pushes a lot of stuff aside to say, no matter what you believe, you can feel this way. Yeah. Yeah. Like you will feel this way. Yeah. Whether you were raised in a Catholic home and now have Zodiac symbols on your fingers whether you quote the Lord's Prayer every day, you know, all those kind of things. Like, that does not exempt you from grief and anger and making bad decisions yeah. and sinning. And that's what I got from it. And I was like, I am I was glad it was kind of peppered in. He didn't just, he, it's not like he had some like Mormon guys on a bike or something too and just tried to hit all of them. But yeah. he, sure. he, he yeah. does, it, it is a melting real. pot and it is so American. Like, it's yeah. just yeah. America. Yeah. It's yeah, such it really a mix. Is. 
Yeah. It does give me one of my favorite moments later on. I don't remember exactly when this happened, so I feel okay to talk about this now, but when oh, Keller sure. can't finish the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. When he can't make it through the— He gets, uh, forgive the, us our trespasses as we forgive those who— tre- well, yeah, and well, he, he can't even, make it He couldn't even right. say as we forgive. As we forgive those who well, trespass against and I, us. I would yeah. argue—so it's weird that you mentioned that. It, um, that's actually going to be—not that moment specifically, but that's actually going to be my super dump. Okay. Um, and it's, it's weird. I actually love that moment, but— there is some heavy handedness throughout this movie of the movie's message of forgiveness is tough. Forgiveness of self is equally tough. Sure. And that's, yeah. that's not the primary message, but that's one of the biggest ones. And there's just some heavy handedness in the messaging that sometimes feels a little too winky winky at the audience to me. Almost like if that's in the movie, then the tagline should be, what are you a prisoner of? Right. Yeah. Uh, I get that. There, there's just some, there are moments where it's like, Okay, we get it. Everybody's a prisoner to something. And then there's yeah. some, okay, we get it. Forgiveness is hard. And then there's some, okay, we get it. Religion can be binding when done improperly. Like, yeah. there's a yeah. little bit of that, I like your word, peppered throughout that even as a person who kind of undyingly loves this movie, I find myself rolling my eyes a little bit at a couple of moments that are like that. Yeah, that's your that's super totally dump? Fair. Yeah, that is my super dump. Yeah, I think that's Which totally I actually fair. love the moment that you brought up, but it just reminded me of that. Um so from here we get um, what I would call just the end of Act 2 and the beginning of Act 3, which is the moment that Detective Loki knocks on Bob Taylor's door. Um, this is when a lot starts to happen. I mean, yeah. this movie is an exercise in escalation to me. Um, there is no—I wouldn't call this storyline an arc at all, like your traditional— you know, seventh grade literature class. I think that's why it's so hard to map it onto a three-act structure. I, th- I think you're because right. Because it, it really is like, it's structured like, uh, is it bad luck to say the name of that one Shakespeare play on a podcast? No, you're fine. It's We're structured like Macbeth. Yeah. We're just like, things get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And it doesn't ever resolve, really. Right. Just bad stuff happens. New bad stuff happens all the time. Sure. It almost, yeah. it almost was Macbeth. We're not for a, a blast a change right at the end that we'll talk about. But. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But um, at Bob Taylor's house is where we make a lot of pretty shocking discoveries. He's arrested and we find mazes drawn all over his walls, boxes yeah. of snakes and children's clothes, um, a butchered pig in this. I mean, this is textbook serial killer house. Yeah. We have arrived yeah. at what everybody should think is the worst possible place in the movie. You know, I was taken to, and we've already alluded to it, but so many... Some of the most disturbing villains, we get to see where they live, and that's intentional. Ooh, you know, we I had, liked it. Yeah, and, and he was not, and again, he's not, he's still not the big bad, right? But we do see our villain's home. We do see our villain's home. And so we do see uh, Buffalo Bill's home. Mm-hmm. I remember the detailed look at the home of the the big bad in True Detective Season 1, which yes. also does a twisty thing of like who actually is the bad guy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's the dude on the tractor. Get a that's super, random. Our entire climax of Blade Runner is in the villain's home. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, very interesting. Wow. That's a great point. I love that. Yeah. I've never thought about that. Me neither. And we actually never see one of our main characters' homes. We, no, never, we never see do. Loki at home. We never mm-hmm. do, which is great because he feels nomadic to me. Yeah. Like, Interesting. Yep. Um, I think that's intentional yeah. to show that that I think that's to help us understand why Keller doesn't respect him because he has nothing except this job. He's a yeah. prisoner to his car. <laughs> prisoner to his car. The Loki, like the reason for that, mm-hmm. like why they named it that. Did you? I wasn't that? planning on. It. I didn't. I don't know anything about it. So uh, there, there's a story of Loki going into a labyrinth to bring a young girl out. 
Oh, uh, okay. Um, in Norse mythology. And so that was sort of the cool. idea behind I, I love it. Yeah, um, I love and that. And there's a lot of stuff like that throughout. I mean, Keller, the, the name Keller means cellar, yep. basement. He's a you know disaster prep guy. And so yep. there's a lot of stuff cool. like that in this movie. I could dork out on a lot of this movie for a long time, <laughs> but I want to get through it. Um, we get, I, I kind of don't want to spend a long time talking about the interrogation scene just because I want to be kind of sensitive to any listeners that might be... Um, bothered by some of what happens yeah. here. Yeah. I don't, this is very intense. I also don't want to brush over how powerful it is. So what I'll say is like, there is so much here. Mm-hmm. Um, so much brokenness and anguish. And yeah. it, it is, again, a testament. To, I can't even remember this actor's name and I, I, I should. But the guy who plays Bob Taylor. Yeah. Um, I mean, he Does is so well. incredible here. I will say, so... Jake Gyllenhaal is my super pump. Mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal is Loki. And something that stood out to me is both Loki and Keller make their absolute worst decisions and are at, at their absolute worst when they reverse each other's roles. So Whoa. when Keller decides I'm going to be a detective mm. and I'm going to interrogate, he makes his worst mistake. Wow. When, when Loki gets as angry as if Anna is his daughter— and he shows the rage that Keller so often shows, his worst mistake. Wow. And so it's it saying the whole time, it's like, now there's this whole thing to unpack of like, like really, like we're called to a certain thing and like, don't step out of your role. Like, dang. Because if you do, like it's going to screw up. And again, there's some redemption for both of them, I'm sure we can say by the end, but it was just like, they became each other. And, mm. and I think that's so intentional. I wish I could ask Denis because there's so many scenes of the two of them, angry, angry, and then Loki's like, hey, man. I understand what you're saying. I, I understand you what you're saying. Back. Yeah. yeah. And some and of my kept favorite scenes. cool and stuff. And then the moment that they switch, they blow it. It's like the most disturbing scenes huh. in the movie. Yeah. Wow. Really cool. We haven't even really talked much about that uh, just because other than watching it, I don't know what I can add. But the torture like, chamber? The two of them together, Jake Gyllenhaal and oh, Hugh Jackman, whenever yeah. they share scenes in this movie, is some of my favorite oh, yeah. stuff. Them in the car outside of the liquor store. Them anytime that Jake Gyllenhaal steps into cop mode of like, like I hear you and I understand it and we're not ruling anything out. And we're looking into everything. Like it's just so, so yeah. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal is also my super pump, but there's a specific moment and we'll get to it. But I want you to know that I completely, completely agree with I mean, you. Is it the photos? Isn't that next? Is that not your moment? No. And he's showing the clothes. So that ends my little, like, not an arc, but, like, the fact that they switched roles. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. now we're seeing them grieve almost on an even plane. Wow. Because they've both made their biggest mistake, and they're looking at the photos of everyone who has been taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Loki feels like he's, like, and that's so cool, too, because on a on another side of this whole thing is, like, I mean, they were kind of feeling the same emotions on purpose. I mean, this is yes. a detective. Like, it's his job. Well, they're both being told the whole movie they're not doing their jobs well, even though they've got a track record. Keller made a seller that's ready for the zombie apocalypse. Loki's never screwed up. But wife and boss say, thought I could trust you. And they break. Well, and they're both failing the same person. Yeah. This same person. This they're girl. a prisoner to their own expectations. And the, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm not absolutely. A, like, joke. I, know, realizing, I know, but you've been the one to like bring it up every time. And it's a good I'm realizing cadence. now that our super pumps are very similar. I'll get to it. I'm okay, really sorry. excited. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm really excited to yeah. talk about how they're similar. Um, but I'll get there in just a second. After the photo scene that you're talking about, we get almost my second favorite scene of the movie, which is... Um, Loki losing it on his computer desk and smashing his keyboard. Once again, 
another example, Denise told Jake Gyllenhaal, take the leash off. And um, just those keys fly everywhere. He had, he had warned Jake before he took prisoners. He said, I can't give you my undivided attention like I did on Enemy. On Enemy, it was mostly me and you, and here there are other people that need me. Can you do this without me being next to you? And he said that Jake was saying, at first he was offended and was like, yeah, of course I can. I'm a professional. And then was like, you know, the more I thought about it, like... Denny wow. was so vital to me. That's huge. I love that. And That's this, crazy. this was a scene where he talked about he had done a take and it wasn't quite as intense. And Denny came over and goes, do you want to take the leash off? And he said, is everybody cool with that? Like, is Roger okay with another take? And Denny said, how about you just do it? <laughs> And he walked Excellent. back and stomped in and smashed the desk. And that's what ended up in the movie. Like, and yeah. something I appreciate about Denny is it seems to me that he has, like, he can just smell when somebody has one more. That yeah. seems to be a skill set of his is knowing, like, there's one, since we're not doing Blade Runner 2049, it's not a spoiler. Like, there's a moment where Ryan Gosling's character, was it Kay? Uh, Okay. It's K. Yeah. Um, he loses it. Absolutely. Lo- it's the only time we see much emotion from him at all in the whole movie. And I can't Which help Gosling's but wonder. really good at I keep thinking of Drive. With oh my too, gosh, love it. Um, I can't help but wonder if that came from the same place. Yeah. You yeah. Know? He probably told the goth take to take the leash, the leash off. And I love that. Get rid of that goose leash, man. Get out of There's here, There's so man. many things Let coming together here. fly. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> a look into... Like what my life is right now. So I'm the uh, as I pursue my doctorate, my dissertation is about the relationship between charisma and teaching effectiveness. But what I'm finding in my studies in general is a definition of charisma. It used to just be charis, like of the gods, this mm-hmm. kind of thing. But all that to say, one of the main six subpoints of charisma that that a true charismatic person in a, in a positive way exhibits is going against the status quo. Uh, and I'm starting to see a relationship between what all the directors are doing. But like when you say Denise says, just do it, it doesn't matter. Like just do it. Mm. And it's for your sake too. He's not doing it like for his own personal gain. Yes, it's going to get the good shot, but it's saying like, um, let's break the rules. Like let's do something that we don't feel like we can right now. Like just to go for it. And that has been some of the most impactful leaders through data are doing things like that. Interesting. I've seen Ridley, like Ridley Scott does that too. And then it's funny, like with, with Spielberg, it's almost like, I guess Spielberg created it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, Spielberg pioneered a lot of what yeah, we love. Yeah, it's just a lot of like, and a lot of it even just comes from theme of being outside the box. Sure. Let's take people places they haven't been and, and make see them what they feel do. really differently about it. We see totally, I cannot yeah. wait till the second half of Chooser's Choice. Yeah, oh, it's going to be wonderful. Because of how perfectly these have fallen together. But yeah, I thought this is honestly a, crazy. Yeah, taken aside for that, but. No, it's great. Um so we, we sort of get the unraveling of the rest of the spool here. We start to realize that um, Alex is most likely the kidnapped young boy from before, taken by um, people that shouldn't have taken him. And the shots of just the light on his eye mm-hmm. when he's in that box. Yeah. Unbelievable. So again, I don't want to take up more time with fun Denis no, no, facts. No, no, sorry, but, no, 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 that's great. But that's another thing that Denis likes to do is... Uh, completely obscure the people that we're focusing on so that we have to focus on something other than what they're, what we're watching. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Anyway, um, Keller realizes where his daughter is when Joy escapes. Mm-hmm. And she says that she heard his voice and he knows that the only place that that could have been was at Holly Jones's house. Alex's aunt, who's kind of been in the background doing some stuff for the whole movie. Oof. And when he goes to confront, she knows why he's there. Mm-hmm. And she makes him drink the uh, ketamine and LSD laced concoction that her and her husband made all of those kids that they have taken drink. What a crazy 
thing to be good at. What a morbid thing to be good at. I know. Yeah. His recipe. Like that just, and we're in an old kitchen kitchen mm-hmm. that looks like my grandmother's. Mm-hmm. That's I, his recipe. I, I'm struck by, struck, I'm struck by that when she tells him, take your phone out of your pocket and put it in the sink. And it's like, the sink? You're in an aunt's house. And yeah. Like, put your phone in the sink. Yeah, in the disposal. But, um, this is, this is, I think, my last fun fact of the movie. Oh. <laughs> Her telling him to drink more, drink more, Mr. Dover, fully ad-libbed because she didn't feel like he had drank a believable amount of the liquid hmm. to take down a grown man. Yeah. He drank what he thought was enough, and she ad-libs the, a little more, Mr. Dover, a little more. Oh, well, yeah, because she's totally in character. Mm-hmm. She did such a good job. <sighs> so and what's terrifying about her, her tone never changes. Right. Never. No matter Even how egregious end, her, her actions are, her tone never changes. Her, make sure they're creamy. Yeah, you don't request. want to be buried in a box. Yeah, get yeah. Out of here. yeah bad news. Um, and Keller is dropped in a hole. Made my knee hurt real bad. Yeah, yeah shot real. in the knee, dropped in a hole. Not great. No, not a good look. <laughs> and uh, kind of after that all winds down a little bit, Loki is told to go notify Holly that they found Alex where Keller lived and uh, when he goes he realizes pretty instantly what is up yeah and as Holly is trying to um, I guess inject Anna with something that's going to kill her she doesn't get it all the way in because very intense um, Loki comes in gets shot in the head yeah which is crazy yeah a little crazy more more like it's crazy nice Um, and kills Holly with a few shots she does yeah she gone. She gone. Here's my super pump. The entire drive to the emergency room is yes. some of the most the most tension I have ever seen in it's, the entire movie. Oh my gosh, yes. it's so good. And Jake Gyllenhaal acts his little heart out. And yeah. it, Jake Gyllenhaal for the whole movie is my super pump, but this moment specifically yeah, this is, is so prisoners good. to me. His tick too was such a brilliant thing for him to do. That's a blinking. Jake thing. Oh yeah, facial tics specifically with eyes is like oh, yeah. how he acts. He's brilliant. Yeah, have you seen the video? It's an essay. Like he it's acts so cool. with his eyes. Like his eyelids are different for every character. It's it's phenomenal. very phenomenal. Cool. Look it up if you haven't seen. It's it. very cool. This whole drive is I've seen again. I've seen this movie so many times, and every time I watch this part, like oh, what's gonna happen? Right. Um, I get this. Reminds me for some reason of spoilers for True Grit, the 2010 version. This reminds me of Jeff Bridges carrying. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Haley uh, Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, after she gets bit by the snake. Yeah, yep. it reminds me of him just like running until he is about to die yeah. to get her to safety. Yeah. Ooh, good. Well, and th- this is so. This is so fatherly, though. Yep. Like what you were talking about. This is kind of a, a subversion of what we have established that he is at his worst when fatherly is here. He saves the day as this sure. heroic fatherly figure of "Don't die, yeah. please, don't die." I mean, you're going to be okay. Just make it a little bit longer. I think the mm-hmm. thing is that that. Like when when you show that fatherly affection, it pushes you beyond what you should be able to. Do. I think that's yeah. right, and and like removes your inhibitions for positive or negative because you're just motivated by love for this other person. Right. Yeah. So, and it's it's just I mean this whole scene is so great, but we we end the movie pretty quickly after this. We find out that there was a second whistle. They had replaced her whistle. It's a quick reminder that the whistle exists yep. and that Keller found it in the hole. And at what the a house and. They're digging up the ground, oh, man. And Keller hears, or I'm sorry, Loki hears. So a we're sound. not able to hear it until like lights are off, like generators it, it are was done. Supposed to, I think it's pointing out the fact that you just need the for like the forest is the only thing that's going to let you hear that because there's like the humming of energy yeah. that was too loud mm-hmm. for something like that. 
Oh man. And, uh, it, it was intentional. So the, uh, the original ending was as written was much darker. Oh, he yeah, was not found. Die. Yeah, and it's so Beth kind of thing. Um, it was intentionally left a little open ended. You know, did he turn around again at the end after we black out? Did he say, "Oh, you know what? It was nothing," or does he go? But he goes. Dude. I, I think no, he, he goes. goes. He goes. I think he goes. And I have him. to believe that he saves. <laughs> but I, I think even in character he would go. I think yeah. that's not even wishful thinking. I really think that there's no way that Loki would. Let that slip without. I mean, checking. you've seen this twenty times. Did he? Sure. Did he? Did he get down there? Any One of, those of the times, times I watched it, he went. Yeah, dang, it was crazy. Dang, the, the ending is so cool when it's different. But that's the end of Prisoners. I mean, it's just whistle, whistle, look, fade to black, <laughs> cut to black. Really, yeah. It's a travesty that I haven't even mentioned this yet, but Johan Johansson has composed mm. the soundtrack for this movie. Frequent yeah. Denis collaborator. Yep. Another travesty is. Uh, remember wh- where did Keller get shot? Where did he get shot, Carter? Denis. <laughs> Sorry, I went a mile away. I did not. <laughs> you said it. Oh my gosh, we will we will talk about Johan a lot more in my next movie in from Denny. But um, yep. he gone too soon, much too soon. Yes, kind, kind of a fairly tragic story, but yeah. um, so talented, so wonderful, and really, I mean. Just about equal parts with Denis and Roger Deakins for setting the tone for this movie. Yeah, yeah. Johan does something where he just kind of comes alongside emotion and mood so well you forget there's a soundtrack. Does yes. that make sense? Yeah. Yes. He does so, this thing where he just pulses with your... I think there's... Because there's the two kinds, right? Like you can have the John Williams kind of vibe, which we're going to get next like week in, a theme in my movie. Orchestrated. Yeah. Like, like your yeah. John Williams, he uh, he informs the mood. But somebody like Johan enhances the movie. For sure. You know oh, I, mean? I agree with that a lot. I think that's so, really good. Um, so, Denis, fun fact, we talked about, um, what did you call it when they edit with music? Oh, a temp track. Uh, Denis edits completely dry. Yep, I believe no it. No sound whatsoever. I totally believe it. The first cut of every movie he makes is musicless. Yep. I could totally see that. That is wild. Yeah. The pacing feels really different. Like the the in terms of like the the scene to scene kineticism, the energy of the shots feels totally different. You're not waiting for a song to finish before you move to the next thing, right? I think that's interesting. Very good. So, um, is it time to rate this? It sure is. Feels yeah. like it might be. We here at Two Chunks and a Hunk have perfected the art of movie rating using the scientific cinema scale. That's right, science. You know the one from school. Is that the whistle? I'm trying. Very good. Go ahead. It is as follows. The best thing we can ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy, buy that, that poster. poster. The next best thing, that's buy it. That's followed by rent it and then stream it. Second to last is forget it and last, but certainly least, the worst thing we can ever say about a movie. God, God hath forsaken, forsaken us. us. I'll go first since it's my movie. It's going to be an own it, don't lend it, buy that poster. Oh, that wow, one's easy okay. for me. Yeah. I brought it because it's that. I love this movie. I'm kind of obsessed with this movie have been since I first watched it. Favorite Jake performance, favorite Hugh performance, Denis at some of his career, but I mean, I just, I love it. Yeah. There, I said it. I'm not afraid. Uh, I'll go next and I'll, I'm going to give it a buy it because I did buy it. Very good. I I could have rented it for $3, but instead I bought it for seven. Uh, And we've actually gotten some email requests asking us to talk about how we watched the movie. So I, I bought this on Vudu. I'm assuming you, Jordan, oh, own this. Oh, I big time on it, yeah. yeah. It was an Amazon Prime rent for me. Yeah, so I, I'll i give this movie a buy it because I did buy it. <laughs> yeah, and it's so it's a buy it for me too, but 
And this is not a you can you can buy the poster of all of your favorite director's movies or sure. so many of your favorite director's movies, but this iteration of Denis is is not even my top like three. Like I think I like your movie next week of his, Sicario, and twenty forty nine. Yeah, more. And I'm well, I'm doing an awful elimination game. Someone's okay. gonna figure it out. <laughs> okay. I'm really bad about that. My other one is my favorite one of his, so I agree right. with you. And so it, and it's not and I don't. It's, it's not the like, French one, right? <laughs> it's not like he's going to get a big head if I just buy all of the posters. Sure, right. <laughs> but I think it's because there's a scale, though. Yeah, right. I get it. Because there's so much more that I liked. More and it, that more is so tiny, dude. Like so no, I, tiny. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna um, hurt my feelings. But it's it's a it's an easy buy it for me. Yeah, because yeah. it is. Yeah, there is there. There's times in this movie because there seems to be maybe five main main people. Maybe even three or four, yeah, because no, we really don't see more. It it feels one act to me at times, yes. even though we have several. Right? It sure. just feels like a one act play. Like it's just you are completely immersed on this, however much twenty by twenty foot box in this world. Yes, and and the way the cinematography works and the lighting and everything, you're like, I am. I can't tell you that I've even left anything but this movie. Mm. It's just so good. Yeah, yeah. Because don't you have those movies that? Like when you're remembering them, obviously you're not remembering the entire image of like my TV, the wall area around my TV, sure, the yeah, couch. You're yeah. just remember. But you're not remembering watching it. You're remembering it. And then for yeah, me too, there. though, like that's not happening when I'm watching it. I'm in it. Like right. those are yeah. some of the best immersive movies. Yeah. But yeah, very good. Well, now that we're done talking about Jordan's dumb movie, let's watch my good <laughs> one next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tune in next week. We're Burn. gonna be we're gonna be reviewing Raiders of the Lost Ark. Woo! Uh, yeah. My director is Steven Spielberg, and this is the first of two movies by Stevie Spiels that about that famous I've explorer, chosen. Nebraska Taylor. Nebraska, Nebraska Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, perfect. That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're watching uh, Indiana Jones. Tune in next week to hear us review that. Ooh, boy! <laughs> to finish this week's episode, I would like each of us to say our name. And what one animal would have been better to pop out of those boxes from Bob Taylor's house? Is that is is this a trick question? I think snakes are the worst possible animal. To I come said out of better. Those. I know, but I could name any animal. Prove it. Fine. For two chunks and a hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders. I think some little pomeranians would have been cute. Aww. With their little fluffy head. I'm Doge, and I would pick my favorite animal in the world. Uh, which is my dog Mowgli. I wish Mowgli was in this movie Aww. in those boxes and he would come out. <laughs> he deserves every movie. Uh, I was going to say trash, by the way. That's your favorite animal. My Well, <laughs> it's trash. my favorite animal is a raccoon because we have the same diet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm Carter. And I think the animal should come out of that box. I'm talking oh, animal from the, the drummer from, from the Muppets. Muppets. From the Muppets. Wow. And he's like, yeah. maze, maze. And just like <laughs> screaming like plot <laughs> points of the whole movie. <laughs> Drink the juice with my daughter! (laughs) For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by.
Granger, for the ones who get it done.